Hi everyone, I'm Lindsay, your usual host, and I'm really excited to welcome you to a new limited series of the Food for the Future podcast called Food is Medicine, featuring diverse guests from five different regions of the world, providing us with some fascinating perspectives on food, nutrition, human rights, and much more. So now I will pass it over to World Food Forum colleague Christina, who will lead us through this fascinating series. Enjoy! The healthcare sector is a big contributor to climate change through greenhouse gas emissions due to the waste and energy intensive nature of the system. For example, in 2018, the United States was responsible for 8.5% of greenhouse gas emissions, which contributed to the loss of 388,000 disability adjusted life years, which is a measure of overall disease burden expressed as the number of years lost due to ill health, disability or early death. Otolaryngology, a medical speciality which is focused on the ears, nose and throat, is not immune to the effects of climate change. While it might be challenging to fully appreciate the health impacts of the climate crisis on a day-to-day basis, here are four ways patients are being affected. Allergic rhinitis, cutaneous head and neck malignancy, access and quality of care and sleep disordered breathing. In this episode, we were joined by Professor Lino de Rienzo Businco and by Dr. Pasquale Davide Longo, who both work at the Centro Businco and Sovereign Military Order of Malta as an otolaryngologist and an audiologist, respectively, dealing with ear, nose and throat diseases in adults and children. Today, we will explore the wide-ranging effects of environmental changes in several areas, including infectious diseases, the global food supply and mental health. Welcome, Professor. I would like to start with the first question, which is, could you tell us a bit about your background and what inspired you to become an otolaryngologist and how your medical work relates to climate change? Well, thank you for your kind invitation. I'm Lino Di Rienzo Businco. I'm an otorino-laryngology in Rome, Italy. I'm the head of the Department of Sport Medicine in uh, Italian National uh, Olympic Committee and uh, again, otorino-laryngology and audiologist at the Order of Malta in Rome, Italy. Indeed, the environment has good or bad impact on human beings. Therefore, we have to take care of our health at first without forgetting about environmental issues, especially if we are talking about respiratory problems. I come from a medical tradition family always focused on respiratory wellness from uh, ENT, ear, nose and throat point of view, and both allergological point of view, my mother and my uncle, my grandfather and so on. (laughs) I've chosen this road uh, because I truly believe that breathing is living, not even the plants could live without. But let's go go back to the point. I decided to become uh, an ENT doctor um, because uh, really I find the connection between surgery and medical treatment very appropriate for patients' uh, global health. And otorino-laryngology is uh, probably one of the few medical fields in which you find 50% surgery and the other 50% medical treatment with lots of innovation. There are a lot of doctors, but only few can reach, in my opinion, certain results. How makes this possible? It is not a surgery tool, even if I am involved in lots of research in developing new tools. The all is the human approach that I have with my patients and probably that my relatives pass it to me. Patients are not the illness, as you know. 
as uh, Patch Adams uh, also <laughs> told us. But they are uh, human beings. And therefore, to be a great doctor, in my opinion, first you have to dis dedicate time to patients' human issues. Thank you so much. And I think that many young doctors can relate to what you just said. Now, obstructive respiratory syndromes are becoming increasingly widespread. And this refers to people who suffer from obstructive lung diseases and have shortness of breath due to difficulty exhaling all the air from their lungs. Why is this the case and what are the main environmental causes of this epidemic increase? Yes, this is uh, really true. It's uh, really an epidemic increase. That is because there is a strong connection between upper and low respiratory tract. And this is something we have really to understand. Hyperactivity, the hyperresponsiveness of the nasal mucosa involved together and simultaneously the nose, the sinuses, the throat, the lungs. And so imagine how pollution and allergic components could act in uh, this delicate surface. They are the major causes that create uh, respiratory diseases to all of us. Think uh, about the infernal mix uh, between allergens and the PM10 pollution. And so, and so with uh, climate change, it's very important, in my opinion, to prevent uh, and uh, together to inform the new generation about it. One of my goals uh, is to stop the evolution of this disease uh, of the nasal mucosa, starting from rhinitis and then becomes sinusitis, as you understand, and uh, finally bronchitis and lung uh, diseases. And uh, it is for me very important. It's crucial. It's really crucial. Uh, not to let the disease uncured, as always and too often we see in our outpatient departments, and to take care immediately at the early stage to stop the bad events. The prevention and the personalized treatment are really my priorities and should be of all doctors, because another important aim for me is to reset the disease, especially when it occurs in children, and this is possible to do if we intercept the disease uh, at the early stage with an uh, early diagnosis, we have lots of uh, tools, of instruments, not invasive, not at all. The closed, stuffy places that uh, are too crowded, uh, of course, in our daily life, as such as uh, trains, planes, we all uh, travel uh, every week, every day, buses, also clubs, pubs, fitness centers, restaurants, and so on, are for sure the main cause of the epidemic increasing and fast spreading of all these respiratory diseases. This was very clear and enlightening. Thank you, doctor. Now, what do you think are the social and economic consequences of a delayed diagnosis and late therapies for respiratory diseases? Thank you for the question, because early diagnosis is crucial for adult and child, this has so positive consequences from a social point of view, cultural point of view, economic and educative. For example, respiratory disease create a great number of absent people at work. Nobody think about this, but it's the first cause of absence from work. Imagine the cost. On the other hand, if sick people go to work with sinusitis, we saw with COVID, makes uh, more mistakes than usual. And so this may cause more problems than results. And the delayed diagnosis creates uh, a social and economic increase of problems. 
because if you think the patients are not longer able to work or to live as a normal person. And therefore, the government, and so all of us, should take care of his or her treatments and also of their salary. So it's a very important message. Thank you to give me the opportunity to talk about this. You're absolutely right. Thank you so much for your answers. I'd like to pass the floor to my colleague, Valentina, who will be asking a couple of more questions. Thank you, Professor. Thank you, Georgia. So, uh, Professor, thank you once again for, for being here today. How can we intervene with new biomedical technologies to modify the natural history of respiratory diseases and stop the evolution towards chronicity? Uh, yes, Valentina. Indeed, uh, um, all my research fields are focused on uh, innovation and uh, new technologies uh, to treat and to prevent, uh, again, uh, the evolution uh, of these diseases. I choose to talk about uh, three tools. Molecular resonance, a special kind of radiofrequency of third generation that I use and I develop uh, to treat, to re reduce the volume and the inflammation of the mucosa of the respiratory mucosa when it uh, is um, prolapsed by virus, by infection, by pollution, uh, by allergens. And so we can act with special handpiece designed to treat the turbinates and to improve the quality of the air that we can breathe and reducing uh, sleep apnea, improving the quality of breathing. Again, another new technology is balloon technology something uh, we imported from uh, hemodynamic. The balloon, very similar to that one we use in the heart attack, are able to dilate the thin passage, thin canal, uh, which uh, join sinuses and nose, restoring uh, the complete ventilation of the sinuses without any damage and any invasive treatment, with a very fast and mini-invasive treatment, a dilation. And again, a kinetic oscillating stimulation, another catheter balloon, but without pressure, which vibrate in, inside the nose, um, reducing rhinitis, reducing rhinorrhea, this is a nasal secretion, and improving the barrier defense mechanism, the natural mechanism, autonomic nervous system of the nose. And it's very useful in order to prevent the cold, rhinitis, sinusitis, reinforcing the strength of the mucosa. All this treatment, this technology, are able to treat the disease with a regenerative aim. This is very important. It's my priority, my principal goal in these new biomedical technologies. Always integrated with new medical treatment and new protocol. For example, we are developing a molecular vaporization, with, which is able to administrate drugs directly at molecular level in the all the respiratory tract, also through hematoencephalic barrier. So very uh, innovative treatments, but uh, especially in the child, that could reverse the damage of the mucosa, but important to be updated and to use them simultaneously. Thank you, Professor. It was an outstanding answer, definitely. Moving now to the final question, Professor. As you know, WFF is all about providing a platform for young people and encouraging them to take their health and that of the planets into their own hands. So we all wanted to ask you, as our last questions, what do you think the role of youth is today 
perhaps young doctors or any other medical professionals working at the health and climate change nexus. And what does the next generation need from those in power to meet and address future challenges? Yes, Valentina, thank you again, because we are all inside the environment and my professional activity and uh, sport medicine, respiratory sport medicine in Italian National Olympic Committee is always focused to treat uh, top athletes and together training young medical doctor in what you are talking about and together to do educational activity for general population. So for all of us. And so I strongly believe in this mission that you are talking about. We have the huge responsibility to make young people aware about this kind of diseases and the environmental change and the strong relation with environmental change and personal lifestyle. This is again crucial. And we as doctors might act through social media, sports events for me is quite easy. In this case, concerts, actors, singers, sport champions used as testimonials. Those are all channels that can and should be used by young teenagers and young doctors together to promote a healthy lifestyle. So this, again, is a very important message. I truly believe that the social media and the web in all have a great impact to young doctors and teens. And so please use them. Use all media to educate our youth with empathy. This is probably my final take-home message. And again, thank you to have given me the opportunity to use a, such an important microphone to pass this message. It is important to inform and educate, especially new generation that uh, our future to be aware of these uh, problems and these diseases and to be aware that uh, it's possible to intercept, to treat uh, using new technologies and new biomedical innovative protocols without uh, any invasive treatment, without biological costs, forgetting uh, traditional uh, surgery, traditional heavy drug pro drugs protocol, and uh, using sport, in my opinion, as a principal way to promote healthy lifestyle and better quality of life. Thank you very much, Professor Rino Didienzo Businko. Uh, thank you, and you're right, we need to raise awareness amongst the youth. We would like to thank you once again for taking the time to be part of our podcast series, and I'm really sure that many people listening to you will be definitely inspired, probably who knows new doctors, by your story, by your technologies and innovatives protocol, and thank you very much for your hard work and commitment. Thank you once again. Thank you. Bye-bye. So, turning now to you, Dr. Longo. As a specialist in audiology at the Department of Audiology and Otolaryngology, you are going to tell us about a new form of pollution. But before we dive into that, could you briefly tell us a bit about your background, what inspired you to become an audiologist, and how your med relates to climate Good afternoon, and thank you all for the invitation. It is a truly an honor to be able to participate in this interview today. I am audiologist at the Sovereign Military Order of Malta in Rome, 
and a researcher at Sidero, an Italian society, where I deal with the treatment and the rehabilitation of hearing disease, such as deafness, tinnitus, and all the disorders of this complex organ, which are strictly connected to climate change. I chose this job because I have always liked the idea of being able to help people who are in suffer and above all because scientific field has always fascinated me since I was a little kid. This research on the new form of pollution, doctor, can you please tell us what it is and how it has come about? Well, when we talk about pollution, we immediately associate with polluted air and also the danger of polluting particles that we breathe every day or those who are settled on fruit and vegetables or the water pollution of a disease aquifers. But what I want to tell you about is a new form of pollution, which is sound pollution, which the potential risk for humans, animals, and the environment are still not fully known. Sound pollution is a relatively young, but it is rapidly expanding due to our cities, which are increasingly industrialized with a very high percentage of cars and scooters, sometimes even for small cities. In fact, Traffic seems to be one of the most fearful forms of sound pollution and represents the main source of acoustic distress for those who live in the cities. The horns, the sirens of emergency vehicles, the tram tracks, the roar of the engine seems to be every day a source of discomfort for a large part of the city population. Thank you, doctor. Sounds really interesting. What are the symptoms and the consequences of this new form of pollution on human beings? Yes, sound pollution, if particular intense and prolonged over the time, can cause serious hearing problems such as deafness, tinnitus, and a whole series of very complex disorders such as hyperacusis, misophonia, distorted and altered perception of sounds and noises, up to reaction of fear and intolerance toward noises. Furthermore, numerous studies have shown that sound pollution can contribute to aggravating cardiovascular problems such as hypertension, severe stress, anxiety, depression, aggression, antisocial disorder, and a sleep disorder. In animal, excessive sound pollution could lead to a complete disorientation and the consecutive death of the single specimen and, uh, for example, the sonar of ships that confuse fish in the oceans or deterrent for birds. And uh, in extreme cases, even to the extinction of species that are no longer able to lead a regular life in the natural habitat now compromised. So you understand, well, uh, how even sound pollution is a close uh, correlation with planet climate change. Thank you, doctor. Thank you very much for your outstanding answer. I will turn to my colleague, Christina. Uh, she has some questions to you. Thank you. Thank you, Valentina. So how can this be prevented? Is there a specific diet that can help to keep the ear healthy? 
Well, preventing this form of pollution is uh, essential to protect the health of the people, the animals, and in general, all species of our planet. We have recently noticed an exponential increase in eating problems, even in young people, due to recreational sound and the prolonged and frequent use of music, headphones, AirPods, Bluetooth, as well as uh, for frequenting plays with excessive noise, such as discos, gym, and bar. Therefore, to prevent serious consequences, it's essential that all government and uh, organizations such as FIO, like the Particular Tank, to set up awareness and prevention campaign on this issue or elaborate a short and a long-term care and a monitoring plan to monitor the trend of hearing within the population. The, the ear, like other organs, is also affected by what we uh, and its function can improve or worsen in relation to the foods we introduce into our diet. To protect the ear from any problems, it's preferable to follow a diet that is rich of vitamins, flavonoids, and antioxidants, which help with their property to improve blood circulation and protect the hair cells of the inner ear. At the same time, it's preferable to reduce use of caffeine and sodium as they increase water retention, which is harmful to the auditory system. Among the compounds that carry out a protective action on the ears, we remember vitamin A, B, and in particular B6, B9, B12, E, C, beta-bo-alfolic um, acid, which has a preventive action capable of uh, decreasing the risk damage to the auditory system. Finally, eliminating smoking, alcohol, and the sedentary lifestyle is a good asset for maintaining good health, not only for the ear, but for the entire body. Thank you so much for that. That was really informative. So now for the final question. As you know, WFF is all about providing a platform for young people and encouraging them to take their health and that of the planet into their own hands. So we wanted to know, what do you think the role of youth is today, perhaps young doctors or any other medical professionals working at the health and climate change nexus? And what does the next generation need from those in power to meet and address future challenges? Today's young people represent a precious resource for the world and for the future. Uh, we should make them aware right now on such important issue. This is very important because with their skills, their culture and their civic sense, they will face serious problems such as climate change and the correlation between health and the life of people and animals. In my opinion, those who are in power today should ask for help to the new generation in order to discuss the new idea and start a new awareness process towards climate change. Thank you so much. It's a great answer to end things on, I think. Once again, thank you so much for taking the time to be part of our podcast and telling us about sound pollution. It's been a pleasure to find out more about you and this research, and I'm sure many people listening will be inspired by your work. Thank you once again for inviting me. It was a great honour to speak today. Have a nice day and day. To learn more about the World Food Forum, please go to world-food-forum.org. You have been listening to the Food for Future podcast. This takeover episode was created and produced by Christina Hagiani, Marta Pace, Valentina Vitale, 
Giorgio Cianino, and Mario Gioldi. Additional production support by Lindsay Hook, Toko Cato, Valentina Carlino, and Hugo Boris. <laughs>